0: on today's broadcast of graceful truth with pastor steve converse
1: see we want everything in the christian life boiled down to a bunch of little formulas if i do this this will happen if we do it's not always that way and it's not that way for a reason if it was that way what would we be doing we'd be just off doing our own thing we wouldn't need god in the picture i mean he would have just passed us given us a little book and said here follow the book you're on your own see you when you get to heaven. No, he says, you know what? You need me every day. And to make judgment calls like this, that's why you need me. There's more to it than just treating other people as you would have them treat you.
0: And welcome to Graceful Truth, the weekly radio program originating from the pulpit teaching ministry of Grace Bible Church, located here in Redwood City, revealing God's grace through God's truth. We would invite you to join us today here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, in a message that Pastor Steve has just called, Start Loving. It's a look at how you and I can approach God's word in a very simplistic fashion, but within a very profound understanding of God's love and grace. Again, if you'll join us, we're here in Matthew chapter 7 with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our teacher and pastor now, once again, Pastor Steve Converse. This
1: morning's message is entitled, Start Loving. I'd like to read out of Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7 to 12. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So look at verse 12 with me of Matthew 7. Because this is kind of the principle, the underlying principle of everything that he's teaching here, he says. Therefore, whatever you want men to do, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now we've been going through Matthew, and you know we know this as the what? The golden rule, right? Um, do unto others as you would have to, them to do unto you. And there's a lot of. You know ethics. You look at that and say, well, that's a very ethical thing to do and all this stuff. And, and the world might get it right sometimes, but it, it doesn't get this thing right at all. Because basically what the world teaches in a nutshell, what every other religion teaches in a nutshell, is that, you know what, you don't want to do bad things to other people because you don't want them to do bad things to you. That's what the world teaches. And you're saying, well, isn't that what Jesus, no, that's not what he's teaching. That's not what he's teaching at all. That's the furthest thing from what Jesus is teaching here in verse 12. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. You see the positive nature of this? It's not a negative thing. When we think of it, we go out and we say, well, would, if I went up to a, a, a four-way stop, would I want somebody to cut me off? No, well, I'm not going to cut somebody else off. It's always to the negative. Jesus turns it around and he's looking at it from the positive. He says in verse 12, therefore, because of everything I've just told you, Whatever you want men to do to you. You notice that? It's not what you don't want men to do to you. It's what you want men to do to you. He shares here in these verses basically two truths that are very essential to our Christian faith. First of all, that God is our Father. And we've gone over that in past messages, so we're not going to go there now. But he talks about God being our Father. And and secondly, he talks about us being brothers and sisters in Christ. He brings it down to a family unit. In Matthew chapter 22, he says this, "The first and great commandment is to love the Lord God, your heart, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's our relationship with the Father." And then he says, "And the second is like onto that, it's similar. it's to love your who? Your neighbor as yourself. You can sum up everything the Bible teaches in those two truths. That we're a family. God is our Father, and we're brothers and sisters in this family. And it's consistent with the Old Testament, by the way. It's not a New Testament thing. It's even found in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Leviticus chapter 19, love your neighbor as yourself. It's found throughout the Bible. And you notice there that at the end, he says, for this is the law and the prophets. At the end of that verse. In other words, the whole law relates as it relates to mankind, comes down to these verses. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's Just another way to say the same thing. We're to love one another in the body of Christ. And since God is our loving Heavenly Father, we have that vertical relationship with Him, then the horizontal just follows in the wake of that vertical relationship. I mean, you go around and you try to love someone else as you would you know, love yourself. That's not something you can do in the flesh. That's not something you can do by yourself. You have to rely on the power of God to do that. And so he boils it down to that principle. And the Pharisees, they were wrong on every point that Jesus ever brought up to them. They were wrong about themselves. They were wrong about the word of God. They were wrong about the world. They were wrong about morality, religion, money, possessions, everything. And they were even wrong about relationships because they taught basically... Don't go out and do something to somebody if you don't want them to do that to you. The negative aspect of this, Jesus turns it around and he makes it positive. The whole point here that you need to say is all the way through this, he's making an effort to drive the Pharisees to kind of this desperate call that points out to them that they are unqualified to be in God's kingdom. That's what he's doing over and over again. And so, you see here, in verse 12, the principle, what this is talking about. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Don't go out and criticize someone if you don't want them criticizing you. That's the negative aspect. But here, what he's doing is, he's really turning it around. And he's saying, you know what? The next time you want something, the next time you, 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 you're desiring something, and you, you know somebody else is desiring the same thing, what Jesus is saying is, you go give them what you want and deny yourself. And you say, what? That's crazy. That's crazy. See, he's not saying what is hateful to yourself, do not do to someone else. He's not saying that. See, that's what a lot of the the world religions say. They have that negative spin on it. He said, I want you to do unto others as you would have them to do unto you in a positive way. The next time... That you're blessing yourself with something. Well, stop it and go bless someone else. Because what that does is it basically strikes right at the heart of our own selfishness. It does. We're a selfish people. We're utterly lost in, our, in ourselves. We don't do certain things out of fear. It's basically our egos. It's our, our protection of self. It's, it's selfishness, selfishness, selfishness. That's all we have. People say a lot of times, well, you know, honesty's the best policy. Why do they say that? The reason they say that is because they don't want to get caught in a lie. That's, that's why they say that. See, it, it's, it's just common sense protection. It's like, don't play with fire or you'll get what? burned. All right, protect yourself. See, that's what the world dishes out. And you say, well, is there anything wrong with that? Within well, reason, no. We're not to be destructive to ourselves, but it's not something that we can do. We can't love someone in a selfless way. I don't care who they are. We have to allow God to do that through us. In Second Timothy chapter 3, it says, despisers of those that are good and lovers of who? Themselves. See, that's the nature of the beast. That's who we are. Like Titus is told in chapter 3, verse 3, by the Apostle Paul, men are hateful, hating one another. And it's that protect yourself mentality that kind of drives that whole thing. And so you have this negative ethic that's compelled by fear, and Jesus isn't talking about that. He's talking about a positive ethic that's based on love. That's why he says, whatever you want men to do to you, what would you want men to do to you? Stop and make a list. And he says, well, don't do that to yourself. Go do it to somebody else. And he's not saying because then they'll turn around and do it to you. That's not his point because we don't do things like that. That wouldn't be genuine, would it? I mean, do you give gifts at Christmas times just to get a gift back? You don't do that. Hopefully not. That wouldn't be right. And so he's saying here, you do unto other men in a good way, the way that you would want to be treated. That's what he's saying. And that sums up, basically, the law and the prophets. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says this. I'm going to send Timothy to you guys. He's sending him to the Philippians. And he says this. Because I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. They all seek their own. That's the day and age we live in. Everybody's seeking their own. Get all the gusto you can. Get everything you can for yourself. It's that fruit of the Spirit, that love, that God wants us to have one toward another. And it simply means that you determine in your own heart what you would want for you and go do it for somebody else. That's what he's talking about. And you know what? There's no way you're going to be able to do that on your own. There's no way you can do that on your own. And so he says, basically, you're going to have to rely on God to do this for you. It's impossible. Now, he gives, basically... Three reasons to keep this principle in the previous verses. Three reasons, and they're there in your notes, and we're not going to get through all these, so just relax. We're just going to get through maybe the first one. But the first reason there that we're to apply this principle, the idea that we should go do unto others as we would have them to do unto ourselves. First of all, God's promise to his children demands it. God's promise to his children demands it. Demands it. At the end of verse 12, it says, For this is the law and the prophets. And what he means by that, that's the point of all Scripture. It's the sum of the whole Old Testament. And if you stop and you think about the the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, and you think of those, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, you, you shouldn't bear false witness, commit adultery, covet, all those things. All right, Basically, you're summing up, Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Uh, you don't want them to kill you, hopefully. Uh, you don't want them to steal from you. You don't want them to covet from you or commit adultery against you. You know, basically, that's what that's saying. All the Ten Commandments is an expansion of these two principles. First of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. You can sum up all the Ten Commandments and basically the whole law in those two simple phrases. Therefore, you, you won't kill, you won't covet, you won't lie. And the rest of the Bible basically comments on those things and expands those things. So if I need a new shirt, and I know that you need a new shirt, if I were to live out this principle, I should go buy you a new shirt. That's how radical this principle is. And you'd say, well, if everybody did that, what? Well, what about me? Don't I deserve a new shirt? So that's the essence of the principle. James 2.8 calls it the royal law. If you're looking for the law of the king, the law that rules in the kingdom, and the relationships of the kingdom, it says the royal law is this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the same principle, it's identical. Over in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, Paul says this, O no man anything but to love one another. And then he says this, For he that loves another has fulfilled the what? The law. It all ties together. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you've fulfilled the law. Because you're not going to kill him, you're not going to steal from him, you're not going to cheat him, and so forth. In fact, Paul goes on to say, The law says that thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in the saying, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He sums it all up there. I mean, people today say, oh, the Bible's so complex. How could we ever just sum it up in those two things? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And the second half of that, love your neighbor as yourself, envelops all of our personal relationships. If you love your neighbor as yourself, there are some things you don't do, right? You don't criticize. You don't condemn. You don't question their motives. That's the negative. That's verses 1 through 6. We've already been through that. And then you do what you would wish to be done to yourself. That's the positive side of this. See, it's the purpose of God that demands it. The whole thing is is wasted unless we're obedient to this principle. So the purpose of God would lead us to that word, obedient. To be obedient. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. You can sacrifice all day long, but if you're not being obedient to the words of God as you know them, as he reveals them to you, all the sacrifice you're going to do is is all for naught. Well, it's also basically, not only for the the, the purpose of God, but the promise of God there. We should keep it because he says in verse 12, Therefore, and if you look back at verse 11, Just what I said, you give somebody else your shirt that you were going to buy for yourself. Well, don't you, are you depriving yourself? Yes. And that's why it goes back to verse 7. He says what? Ask, and it will what? Be given to you. See, this is a God thing. This drives us into the God realm. This is something we can't do on our own. Seek when you can't find how to discern, and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. So many people say, well, this is dealing with salvation. No, it's not. dealing with right, right, what he's talking about here in the context. He says, whatever we ask and seek and knock for, we're going to receive. See, we can feel free all of a sudden to give to others what we would have for ourselves because we know God is going to provide for us. We're confident of that especially when we're obeying His Word. Now, do we give away stuff just so God will give us stuff? No, that's not the principle. But this is a far cry from where we find ourselves living today. And I think the Lord eases into this in verse, from verse 6 to verse 7 to verse 7 to verse 9, 10, and so forth. And He sums it all up. And you say, well, why doesn't he just give us this principle, verse 12, right up the front, and then follow it with all these illustrations and all this stuff? See, the main principle, the negative principle of human relations in verse 1 through 5 is judge not. We looked at that. Don't criticize. Don't be gossiping, backbiting critics, so forth. You don't want to do that. And then he turns it into the positive here. talks about having a a splinter in your own eye. Take that out and and don't give what is holy to dogs. And then he eases into Verse 7. See, we want to we want a checklist of how this thing kind of pans out. How do you know if you got the plank out of your own eye? How do you know if you're making the right judgment call? How do you know all these things? How do you know if you should give this shirt to Well, in verse 7 he says ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. He's relating it back to the vertical relationship with God. In other words, you can't do this horizontal thing on your own. That's his point. You have to go to God. You know, when you're out witnessing to somebody, how do you know how far to go in sharing the gospel with that person? If Jesus says, you know what, you don't want to just go out and and throw up the gospel on everybody because that's throwing pearls before swine and the holy things before dogs, well, how do you know where to stop? How do you know when that where that marker is? Should you keep going? Until they're mocking you and mocking the word of God, well, clearly no. But how do you know where's that line at? Well, he's saying, go to God and ask him. See, God alone has that kind of discernment. We can't do that. We can't make that kind of a discerning judgment call. And so he says, you know what? You, you, you take this to God. That's his whole point. In James 1, he says, if you lack wisdom, where should we go? Go to God. And he gives it to all men liberally and holds nothing back. See, we want everything in the Christian life boiled down to a bunch of little formulas. If I do this, this will happen. If we do, It's not always that way. And it's not that way for a reason. If it was that way, what would we be doing? We'd be just off doing our own thing. We wouldn't need God in the picture. I mean, he would have just passed us, given us a little book and said, here, follow the book. You're on your own. See you when you get to heaven. No, he says, you know what? You need me every day. And to make judgment calls like this, that's why you need me. There's more to it than just treating other people as you would have them treat you some people look at verse 7 and they think it's a a blank check asking it will be given to you so you can you will find knocking it will be open just kind of like hey that's that's a a prayer thing and you just go and god will just do whatever whatever you want that's not true there's conditions there first of all it's only true if you're a child of god If you don't have any relationship with the Father, what business do you have going to the Father to ask Him for anything? It'd be like the neighbor kid three streets over coming to your house and saying, Hey, where's dinner? Who are you? You're not my kid. I mean, that's what you would think. So you have to know God. Secondly, you have to be living in obedience to Him. Peter says our prayers can be hindered by our disobedience. 1 John 3.22 says, Whatever you ask, we receive of him. And then he says this, Because we keep his commandments and are doing the things that are pleasing in his sight. Not in everybody else's sight, but in his sight. What do you do in his sight? You do everything you do in his sight. There's not one thing you do throughout the day or the night that God doesn't see you doing. So are we living in obedience to him? You have to be a child of God. You have to live in obedience to Him. You have to do things in a selfless way, with a selfless motivation. James 4.3 says, You ask and you receive not. Why? Because you're asking amiss. You're asking off target. And the reason you're asking, and God knows this, is because you want to you spend it on your own lusts. All you want is to fulfill your own lusts. And so you're, you're coming to God and you're asking Him, Oh God, please give me this. You know, Work this out for me. Why? Why are you asking? Stop and ask yourself sometimes the next time you're praying for something in your life, why am I praying this prayer? Oh God, please give me that promotion at work. Why are you praying that prayer? Well, so I can have more money so we can make our payments. So just, oh, wait a minute. Where does, where does God's will come into this? It's not a blank check. There are conditions. The other element here in verse 7 is, is that these are three present imperatives. In other words, it's the idea of keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's persevering. You get that answer. You don't just give up. See, God wants us to truly understand what He's trying to communicate to us. Here And he wants us to understand that as a family, as Christians, we're called to be part of the family of God. And as we're part of the family of God, God is our father. As we have our vertical relationship with him straightened out, then the horizontal relationship with each other comes into play. And what he's saying is if you put this principle into practice, and the only way you can do that is if you trust me, because you can't do it in your own flesh. It would be impossible. But if you want to treat others the way you would want them to treat you, in a positive way... You're going to have to rely on God to fulfill that in your life and in your heart. There's no way that we can do this on our own. It says in verse 8, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him uh, who knocks it will be opened. Why is that? Because that's the nature of God. That's the Father we serve. And he draws this illustration. You want to know what kind of Father God is? Well, in verse 9 he says, Or what man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? I mean, what kind of dad would that be? You know, it'd be like little Gabrielle, my little granddaughter, coming up to me. Well, what kind of grandfather would I be? If, yeah, here, kid, and all on this, here's a rock. I mean, you know, so she puts a rock in her mouth, and she starts chewing, and she realizes that would be horrible. We don't serve that kind of father. That's what he's saying here. He says in verse 10, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Something that could potentially harm him? And then he says this in verse 11, if you then, being evil, in other words, you are evil. You'll always be evil. That's just the nature of the beast. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, because of all that, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law in the prophets. Because God is the God of love, of mercy, of grace. And he supplies our every need, the Bible says. Therefore, you can do this unquestionably knowing that God will care for your needs. Don't you worry about that. You just do what God wants you to do. It's a promise to us. It's a pattern for us. And it's also the the, the whole purpose. That's what he wants us to do, to live that faith out so that others could see there's something different here in this family of God. They treat each other a little differently. They treat other people a little differently. See, and unfortunately, so much of the church today has bought in to so many worldly principles you go into a lot of churches and basically you're looking at an entertainment thing I mean it's it's kind of like the world it's almost like you're going to a concert and it, that's unfortunate that's not what God wants he wants us to be different he calls us to be different let's close in a word of prayer Father we pray this morning Lord is your word Sometimes it's hard to discern, it's hard to understand, it's hard even to communicate sometimes. Lord, I pray that we would just focus in on that last verse, verse 12, that whatever we want men to do to us, that we will treat them the same way. And Lord, the only way we can do that is if we come to you and we ask you to work in our lives. We have to depend upon you. Father, I pray for those who are gathered here this morning that, Lord, as believers, we would truly trust you each and every day to lead us, to guide us, to make those hard calls in the Christian life. It's not so easy all the time. And during those times, we need to rely on you. And I pray that we would stop being reliant upon ourselves, and our own wisdom and our own discernment. And Lord, that we would turn to you and ask you to do that work in our hearts. Father, we also pray that if there's any here who have yet to put their faith or trust in you, Lord, I pray that it's, it's not rocket science. It's very simple. It's a step of faith. And Lord, you have to bring them to that point. Lord, I pray that they would realize their own sinfulness, their own faults. They would cry out to you, a holy God. And their prayer would be, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, that's a prayer that you will answer. You'll transform their life. It will help them to be everything that you desire them to be and more. And and Lord, we we thank you for that. And so, Father, we just thank you for this morning. We pray that you would just bless us as we go out of this place and uh, bless us next week. Father, we look forward to how you're going to work. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
0: Receiving real encouragement from Matthew chapter 7 here today on Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. I'd also like to let you know that our Grace Bible Church Women's Ministry 2018 Spring Conference is coming up. The author and guest speaker will be Cynthia Heald, known best for her best-selling Bible study, Becoming a Woman of Excellence. Now, the conference will take place out of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, Living Like Jesus. It's May 18th through the 19th. Friday the 18th at 7 p.m. through 8.30, and then Saturday the 19th at 9 a.m. through 2.30. It'll take place here at the church, 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Breakfast is included as well as lunch. Total conference cost, just $20, with a love offering taken both Friday and Saturday evening. For more information, visit our website, gracebibleonline.org, or give us a call at 650-650. 366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth.